is that children who are raised to be blindly obedient and to do exactly as they're told and to never ask questions and to say, yes, sir, no, sir, you do things as you're told, those are the children with the highest levels of prejudice. That's Dr. Wayne Dyer, and this is The Depression Detox Show. Welcome back to the Depression Detox Show, where we share ideas and stories to help you live a happier life. I am your host, Malik Josephs. Happy Friday. Appreciate you tuning in with me today as we close out our week with another one of my all-time favorite speakers, Dr. Wayne Dyer. And in his talk, Dr. Dyer shares his personal story to illustrate the importance of self-acceptance. Here's Dr. Wayne Dyer. Enjoy. The first 10 years of my life, I spent in a series of foster homes and orphanages. My mother had three boys by the time she was very young, in her early 20s. And my father abandoned his family. He just left. He took off one day. And he had been a person who never uh, took the responsibility of being a father very seriously. He didn't give any money. He was an alcoholic. He uh, abused my mother physically. And the last time that he did it, a policeman came to the house. And I was just a tiny baby, a few months old. My brother was 16 months older than me and another brother who was three and a half years older than me. And the policeman told my mother right there on the east side of Detroit, you're going to have to get away from this man or your life is going to be a hell for the rest of your life. And so she just made that decision, and he left. He just took off. And I never saw him again in my life, ever. I never saw him, period, that I have any memory of. Well, I was born in 1940. There was a depression in the world. There was a war getting going. There was no welfare. There were no food stamps, things like that. So that what people did in those times was they reached out either to the church or to people who would open up their homes and help out. People helping people was how people got through these kinds of things rather than relying on the government or something. It just wasn't there. So my brother Dave and I, my next oldest brother, uh, went into a series of homes and, and ended up in an orphanage kind of place out in Mount Clements, Michigan. And my oldest brother went with my grandmother and was raised by her until I was about uh, nine or ten. And then my mother remarried and got us back together. And she did it again. (laughs) She married a similar kind of person, an alcoholic, abuser, and so on. But I think that each person on the path has to learn for themselves. And this must have been what she had to learn. She's one of the most beautiful, positive human beings you'd ever want to meet in your life. I think of her as a saint. (laughs) She was always up, and all my years with her were, uh, our home was the home in the neighborhood that all the kids wanted to come to because my mother never complained. She would get up in the morning and make sandwiches and never missed work in 20 years, never missed work. I mean, would take three buses through the worst of winters in Detroit, take three buses back home and then make dinner and uh, never complained. Very positive, upright, terrific lady, and I have 
very good relationship with her now. She lives down in Florida, not too far from us. And it's a joy to have her in our lives. But in those early days, I was a kid that you probably will recognize because almost all of you have one in your family. I came home from school in the third grade after the first day of school, and my teacher's name was Mrs. Poole. And Mrs. Poole was talking to the principal. They were talking back and forth, and I heard Mrs. Poole say to the principal that Wayne Dyer was in her class. And the principal was sort of uh, commiserating with her about that. <laughs> and then I heard Mrs. Poole say that Wayne Dyer was a scurvy elephant <laughs> in her classroom. Well, I didn't know what that meant. I'd never heard that term before. So I went right home to uh, Mrs. Scarf, whose home we lived in, where a lot of children lived. She took in a, an awful lot of children in her lifetime. Some of them were handicapped in one way or another, and a lot of them were just poor, <laughs> like we were. And she was terrific. And I asked her, uh, what was a scurvy elephant? She said, well, I don't know. She said, but I'll check it out. So she got on the uh, telephone and called the uh, principal, and the principal said, oh, no, that's Wayne. He gets everything wrong. She didn't say that he was a scurvy elephant in her classroom. She said he was a disturbing element <laughs> in her classroom, <laughs> okay? Now, I'm going to be talking about scurvy elephants here. And being a scurvy elephant has certain kind of meaning to me because I lived that way all my life. I was one of those kids who was in trouble a lot who was sort of, uh, as Thoreau said, marching to his own music, to his own drummer, and wouldn't or couldn't be told what to do. I have to still admit to having a lot of difficulty with that. <laughs> Being told what to do is something that I, I don't take kindly to. In doing my research for what do you really want for your children, one of the things that we found out, which was really interesting, is that children who are raised to be blindly obedient and to do exactly as they're told, and to never ask questions, and to say, yes, sir, no, sir, you do things as you're told, those are the children with the highest levels of prejudice in their lives. That almost always, when you see people who have real high levels of prejudice, they were raised to be blindly obedient. And it makes sense when you think about it, because if you don't let your children ask questions and inquire and think and want to figure things out why for themselves, they'll just say what they're told. And if you're told to hate this person over here because they have religious beliefs that are different than yours, then you just do that. A scurvy elephant would say, well, wait a minute. <laughs> why should I hate this person? Because they, I'd, I'd like to check that out. What does it mean to be, uh, have a different religious? Or, or why should I hate this person over here because their skin color is different than mine? How come? I don't understand that. Let me check. And they will go check those people out. And you find when you go check people out, that is when you go up to them and you talk to them, that you no longer need to prejudge them, which is what prejudice is. It's just prejudging. You suddenly find out that they're people just like you are. So you eliminate prejudice. The way to eliminate prejudice is to have contact, to be with someone, rather than to be just sit back and say, no, I don't want anything to do with anybody who thinks like you do, who looks like you, who worships like you, who acts like you do, or who reads those kind of books, or who belongs to that political party, or whatever. And so... If you want your children to be inquiring and open, then you have to be careful about raising them to be blindly obedient. In doing the research for this book, I also discovered a great quotation, which was that the one you can do the least with will probably make you the most proud. <laughs> and one of the things that I learned as a family therapist 
is that parents would bring their scurvy elephants into me, okay? And they would all sit around, they'd say, no, I just can't get this kid to do what he's told to do. And if I can, if you can just, all I want you to do is get him to do what he's told, all right? That's what they're asking me to get this kid to do what he's told. I never did it once in my life, all right? And I would say, well, what is, you know, let's discuss this and let's do, we do kind of family therapy kind of things. And, and I would see that the parents, as frustrated as they were with these children or this child that they had who was sort of going their own way in life, despite the best parental interference that could come along, I could see the parents saying, I want you to get him to change. I'll do anything. I'll pay you extra if you can get this kid to change. But somewhere secretly down inside, each one of those parents was this wish that the child would always resist it. They were always wishing and hoping that it wouldn't be taken out of them. To take that scurviness out of that scurvy elephant, if you will, is something that most of us don't want because you know what that kid symbolizes? They symbolize what we would like to have been, how we would like to have stood up to authority. And the one thing I can always tell you about my mother as many times as she had to go and get me back in school um, <laughs> or talk to the principal about this or that thing that I had uh, run into, this difficulty I had run into along the way with authority figures, the thing that I always remember when we would get back on the bus afterwards and she'd say, now, Wayne, you know, <laughs> you got to go to school and in the school there are certain rules and she would always say, but if you really believe in it, if you really believe, don't stop fighting it. Don't stop. Big Thanks to Dr. Wayne Dyer for stopping by. You can connect with his work by checking out his website, drwaynedyer.com. And I got this clip from chapter 17 of an audio program on Audible entitled Inner Wisdom, the best of Dr. Wayne Dyer. And I have a link to it as well as a link to his website in the show description. And before you go, when you get a chance, please follow the show, share it, or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate you for it. And that is a wrap for me. I hope you have a great rest of your day. I hope you have an amazing weekend. And I will see you back here Monday. So, until then, stay strong. Later. Later.